And I just want to encourage those of you while we're turning our, in our scriptures, I want to encourage you, those of you that were not here last week, to please get the CD from the message last week that Pastor David spoke with us. Danny says for him personally, it was one of the most promising and giving messages that we've had in the history of our congregational life. Exodus chapter 24. In these scripture verses, we read that God makes a covenant with the people of Israel. And we see that this covenant is called the covenant of Mount, si Mount Sinai. Verse 7, Exodus 24, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and he read in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. There's tradition in the Jewish people that says, uh, the tradition or, or the saying says that if before God gave the covenant to the people of Israel, he wanted to give it to other countries. And when he spoke to other people and he tried to give it to the other nations and the other nations said, well, let's see what the covenant has to say and then we'll decide if we will go with it. And when they heard all the, all the commandments and the things that they were to do, they said, oh, this is too much for us. We will not do it. And this is supposedly like this in many different countries, different people. And then the saying goes tradition-wise that God came to the people of Israel. And they said, we will do and we will hear. We're going to take it straight away. Don't worry. Doesn't matter what it says. First, we're going to do and then we will hear it. And I don't really believe in this story because it's not really found in the scripture verses, but it is a nice, interesting story. But in this covenant that God cut with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, and we read verse 8, Exodus 24, 8, and Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. So we read in verse 7 that the, the book of the covenant was read in the hearing of the people and they decided we will do it and then the covenant was cut with blood a covenant before the Lord is something very very serious the moment that you have promised to God something and it was cut with blood God expects from you that you will do what you promised if you cut a covenant with God, you cannot in another month say, you know what, I've changed my mind. Let's just tell you the story that you are renting a house from somebody. And after a month, uh, you're renting a house, you're renting a house out to somebody. And after a month, the person that you've rented it to, he comes to you and says, you know what, I just don't want this house anymore. And if you're really maybe a good landlord, you might agree to this. But most of all, most of the landlords say, listen, we have signed a contract here. And only in another year you can go out of this contract. Unless, of course, you want to pay a very big price of money, large amount of money to get out of the contract. But there's some differences between a contract and a covenant. A contract is basically something you do for a certain length of time. A year, one year, two years, five years, it could go on forever, a contract. But when you cut a covenant, 
this stays forever. Even after your death, this covenant goes forward with your children, with your grandchildren, because this is the covenant of God, a covenant everlasting. Danny has checked with the Bank of Israel how much the country of Israel is in debt today. Do you have any idea how much the country of Israel is in debt today? 552 million shekels. Actually, I think it's bigger than million. And it's a big deficit. And it seems like our country is in the minus in the bank. And so I'm not going to ask you this morning how many of you are also in minus in the bank. But our country now finds themselves in a debt. And I'm not speaking about a debt of money. The covenant that he cut with God Almighty of Israel, God Almighty is still waiting that his people will pay for this covenant. And therefore, he is not finished with the people of Israel. Because of him, on his part, he, God, made a covenant everlasting. He did not despair or give up on his people. He did not leave his people because he's God. And he keeps covenant. But he's waiting for us to give our part. He's waiting for us to do our part of an agreement that we agreed upon years ago, even years before we were born. However it works out, God is a very patient God. Okay, not this year, next year, not in 10 years, another 20 years, you will be able to pay this debt. And I see it as the love of God. Because our debt, the moment that we pay it and finish with it, it will be a blessing to all nations. In Romans it says, in so much more that the gift that God gave of salvation was above and beyond for one person, how much more would it be for the whole nation of Israel to be a blessing to the other nations? So it means that the salvation of the people of Israel would bring a blessing to all the other millions of people in the world. And many of the Gentiles in the world still do not know this. They are persecuting Israel. Antisemitism is growing higher and more than any other thing in the world. It seems that if you are going to persecute Jews, then it's something that is to be blessed in different places of the world. But the moment that the world understands, the moment that the people of Israel, that they come and they fulfill their part of the covenant of God, and they are part of this, and they realize that they would be part of this, covenant, then they would be blessed. Promises, oaths, vows, and pledges before God are something very serious. So now I want to speak personally. When we vow and make a vow, or we pledge or promise to do something, we promise some sort of something, do you think that God looks at this and says, oh, it's not so serious? It's very serious in his eyes. And sometimes we don't understand this. Sometimes we come into oaths or promises to God that we just come in very simply with a simple-mindedness. How many times throughout the day do I hear, I swear that I'm going to do this. I promise that I'm going to do this. Trust me. 
For sure I'm going to do this. It's impossible that I would not do this. Think of this as a done thing. And do you know how many times it's not happened? Our relationship to promises made, it seems that we think, oh, we can say these promises, but then afterwards we can change our minds. Let's read to you what a member of the Knesset, the Israel's governing party, what he has to declare when he becomes a member of the Knesset. I commit to you to guard my loyalty and my faithfulness to the state of Israel and to its laws and to fulfill the job that is given to me. And the president says, I commit to fulfill my loyalty to you and to the job that I have as president of the country. Also in the army we have oaths, but I want you to see this morning how easily it is for us to promise or to make pledges or oaths and then we don't go through with them. It so much hurts me that I see all of the investigations and interrogations that are going against our government, people that stand in our government, against our president of our country, against people that sit in the government powers those that have promised to fulfill the jobs and the laws given to them, but they have not stood by them. And now I speak about a normal citizen of the country, like I described earlier, that we are always promising one thing to another. Then I, we find ourselves in an area that we cannot fulfill what we had promised. The statistics of Israel in the year 2005, Danny has checked. In the country of Israel, there was about 10,000 cases of divorce. And every year there is more. And every year, 10,000 people get divorced. 10,000 cases. So you know that in the Jewish custom, the bride and the groom, they give their vows in front of the people that have gathered for their wedding. Uh, in, in the American custom it is like this, but in the Jewish custom it is different. And basically in the Jewish custom they say, you are sanctified or consecrated to me, and this is about all they say. But then there is in the Jewish custom what is called a ketubah, or a type of marriage contract. And this is not something that you say out loud, but this is something that is written. Most of the Jewish people that sign their names to the Ketubah have no idea what is written. Why? Because it's written in the language of Aramaic. And they just sign away. It's written something good there, I'm sure. But it says specifically that the bridegroom, he needs to honor, to respect, and take care of everything that he needs for his wife. And he's even putting down a certain amount of money that would be given to her if he doesn't do this. Some people write down a million shekels. Sometimes people write down 10,000 shekels. Some write 5 million. Do you think that they're actually paying this during this 10,000 cases of divorce? I want you to understand this morning that every vow, every oath, every pledge that is given before the eyes of God is something very serious in his eyes. So many times in a marriage couple, they say, I don't think I can stay with him because I don't feel that I love him anymore. And sometimes the whole idea of what is love is so twisted and wrong in our eyes. Love is not just an emotion. 
emotions are good, but love is when you stand with your commitments and your command, what you have pledged. You have promised something. You have promised something. The wife has promised something. The moment that you stand by this promise, this is part of the love of God. How does God portray his love to us in that he keeps his covenant with us? He did not forsake us. I mean, he had all of the reasons in the world to forsake and to give up on his people. We have, we have cursed him. We have forsaken him and went to idols. We have left him and thrown him to the side. And each time, every time, he never gave up. What kind of love is this? Oh, for a long time, we would have probably already left. If somebody would have done that to us, we would have left them. But God, in the moment that he cut a covenant, he does not break this covenant. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 28. This is the story of Jacob, our father, Genesis 28. And we see that this is after Jacob took from Esau the blessing, Genesis 28. So Esau made a pledge to himself that the moment that his father dies, then he will go after Jacob and kill Jacob. So then Jacob took off and ran off, and he was on his, he was on his way to Levan, to Laban. And on his way there, he was in an area called Haran. This is in verse 10 of chapter 28. And many of you already know the story of where he saw, had the, the dream of the ladder going from heaven down to the earth. And here at this time, God gives him a promise. Verse 13, he says, And behold, the Lord stood above it, that is above the ladder, and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. So God continues to bless him. He says, I'll bless you. I'll bless your descendants. I'll bless the land. I'll bring you back to the land. Jacob wakes up, and he was just astonished from this dream. And he poured forth oil on this stone, of which was a pillow for him during the night. And he called the name of that place Bet-El, or the house of God. And then Jacob did something. Verse 20, Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Verse 22. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So a lot of times I've heard messages from people that, it's, especially from the scripture verse that says, it's not good that you make like a business deal with God. And so Danny says, I don't believe that it's not okay. And here we see that Jacob makes a vow before God. And he says, if you'll be with me, if you'll be my God, and you'll keep me, and you'll give me bread to eat and clothing to put on to you, then you'll be my God. So it's okay to say this, 
But just so you know, the moment you say this, you need to fulfill your part. Amen. Because he will answer your prayers and your requests. It does not matter how long. If it takes 14 years, you will go back to your family. You will go back in peace. And Jacob came to that point. And you know, we come to the point of the scriptures of the story where God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And Jacob became one of the main fathers because he fulfilled his vow. God was faithful to his part. And Jacob was faithful to his part, even though it was hard at times. First Samuel chapter 1. So most of us know the story of Hannah, the wife of Elkanah. Elkanah was wed to two women. And according to Danny, that in itself brings troubles. <laughs> That's why, therefore, later in the scripture verses, we see that God says, one wife. And so, women, please don't get upset. This is nothing against you personally. I believe that a man can only deal with one woman. And so Elkanah had two wives, the names Pnina and Hannah. So Pnina was able to give birth, and Hannah was not able. And at the time, the temple was at Shiloh, and Eli, Eli, was the high priest. So Hannah went to the temple in order to offer a sacrifice. In verse 9, 1 Samuel 1, 9. So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, and Eli, the high priest, was sitting at the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Verse 11, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Hannah was desperate. So imagine for yourselves that every day she sees the other wife every day with her children outside doing things with her children and she cannot give birth. She was in anguish and in despair and she cried out to the Lord. She cried to him even so much so that Eli the high priest Eli thought that she was drunk with wine. And she, in her despair, crying out to the Lord, she vowed a vow to the Lord. If you give me a child, a male child, he will be yours. I will give him back to you. It's okay to give a vow. But the moment that God answers that vow, then you need to give your part. And so therefore, she gave birth, gave birth to a boy named Samuel. And when he was finished weaning, she brought him forth to Eli, the high priest at the temple. This is the child that God has given me, she says to him. And Shmuel, Samuel, grew up to be a man of God and a prophet to the nation of Israel. People 
in the Old Covenant, in the Testament, when they vowed a vow, when they pledged an oath to do something, it was something that was so serious and they took it in a serious way. And I believe that God wants to teach each one of us when we promise something, when we swear by something to do something, to take it seriously because God sees this as a very serious thing. We see that when Joshua came into the land of Canaan, into the promised land, God told them to, to destroy all of the people that were in the land. And there was a certain nation there called the Givonim. And it seemed that they were the type of people that were going in different ways. So they came to the people of Israel and to the leaders of Israel at the time, and they said, look, we've come from a different country and a different nation. Please make a covenant with us. Don't, don't kill us. And so Joshua did not even ask the Lord what to do. He went ahead and made a covenant with these people. And it says they were sworn one to another. After three days, they realized that these people that they made a covenant with were really people that were within the land and they couldn't do anything against them or to them because they had made a covenant. Because they made a covenant by God. When we promise something one to another, do it. Do everything that you can in your power in order to fulfill your promise. I, Danny tells the story that one time he remembered when his daughter asked him to take, him, take her to a certain place. So I said to her, you know, I don't really have time today. Tomorrow I will do it. Two days later, she says, Abba, are we going to go? And I said, oh, I have so much things to do today. I'll do it tomorrow. And the next day she came again, and she says, and Danny was busy. And I said to her, you know what? It's not going to work out today. And she said, I knew that you would say that. And, it, and at the same moment, God spoke to Danny. And he says, what you're passing on to your daughter now that a promise is something that you don't have to abide by or agree to and stand on. It's a promise is something that you can be broken. And I realized the thing that I had given on to her. And so now in these days, now in these days, if Danny's not sure that he can do something, he doesn't promise at, at least once a day, Danny's younger daughter says to him, says, Abba, if you love him, if you love me, buy me a horse. At least once a day, she says this. Some people will say, maybe in a few years. And Danny says straight away, no, I love you, but I'm not buying you a horse. And this is the way it is almost every day. But Danny will not give her false hope. You've said it, so do it. What we do one with another reflects on the way we are with God. I believe that many of you here who believe in Yeshua, before you said, yes, I believe, I believe that most of you have not read the whole Bible from the first verse to the last verse. I believe it's like the people of Israel. We're like them. We say, we'll do, and then we'll hear. So, of course, there are certain things that are very clear to us that we need to do. 
but not each little tiny detail. We trust in a God that will lead us and guide us. God revealed himself to us. He cut a covenant with us. And this covenant was cut in blood, the blood of the Messiah. Died on the cross, he poured forth his blood for us. He sworn by us. He cut a covenant with us. But the moment that we said, yes, I receive you into my life, you have been swearing an oath or a covenant. You have promised something. And God expects from you that you will go forth and walk in what you have agreed to and what you have promised to. It's not as if today I believe and tomorrow I do not believe. It's until the end. This is an everlasting covenant. Let's see, according to the scriptures, how God looks at vows and covenants. Let's look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 23, Deuteronomy 23, Deuteronomy 23, verse 21. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. Verse 23, that which has gone forth from your lips you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Let's go to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, verse 2 in English. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Sometimes Danny says that he runs into people that they talk so much. Those of you that know Danny knows that he doesn't speak a lot. Oh, and Danny believes that this is something of a good thing. The things that come forth, your words that come forth from your mouth, think. Think just a second or a minute before you say them about what you are saying. It says, let your words be few. Verse 4, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Verse 5, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. It's better for you if you don't promise. Don't say yes. Instead of saying yes and then, of course, not doing it afterwards. Is there anybody here in the house? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's better to not promise. Of course, there will be people that are going to pressure you. Don't give in to this. Don't fall for this. The moment that you can say no, say no. Don't promise. Because the moment that you promise and you don't fulfill, it's not only the fact that the person that you have promised to and you don't fulfill it to them, that they are wounded or hurt, but according to God, it is sin. Because you then are making yourself into a liar. And lying is sin. You promised. Do everything in your power and your ability to fulfill that which you have promised. Let's go to the New Covenant, to Matthew chapter 5. And also to Rabbi Yeshua, he had much to say about this. Matthew chapter 5, from verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or one black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I don't believe for a moment that Yeshua is trying to take away from the meaning of a promise or an oath. I believe that he's trying to fulfill in us a loyalty and a faithfulness in us that when we say yes, it is that way. Danny was raised in a house that when you promise something, you had to promise on the names of all the uh, like religious people in the, at the time. So swear by your mother and promise and swear by your grandfather and swear by the, by the heads of your children and in the name of the rabbi this and this. And you had to go for a long time through a whole list of people that you were swearing by in order the fact that somebody would actually believe in you. And if you said yes, they would start to laugh at you. What do you mean yes? Come on, show us that you're really serious. Tell us who you're swearing by. So Yeshua here is speaking to us about, especially to the people that are saying, yes, I swear by this name or by that name, by the name of God, in order that people would believe them. But you need to be able to get to a place that when you say yes, that's all it is. Danny wants to say that it's been a few years that he's had to work on this, that his own family was able to really come to the loyalty that when he said yes, it was yes. And now they've come to the realization that when Danny says yes, it's yes. And when Danny says no, it's no. Even even if somebody doesn't like it or somebody is not favorable with that. I believe that God wants to put forth an anointing on each one of us that it's either a yes or a no. I believe that there's those of us among us that they're so sweet and so nice and gentle that they have it such a hard time to tell people no because they don't want to disappoint anybody. And they want to always stay sweet uh, so that they always have a good relationship with the other people. But what happens with these people usually, or there's times that they are not able at all to fulfill what they had said, or they have to use all their energy and everything in order to fulfill this promise that at the end they are destroyed. You need to learn how to say yes, and you need to learn how to say no. When I, when Danny requested to go out with his now then wife, which was not his wife then, the girlfriend, three times, one right after the other, one Shabbat after the other Shabbat, when Danny asked Luann to go out with him, at the time, of course, they were not married, and she was a believer, and Danny was not. And she said to Danny, no. She knew how to say no. And so there's those people then that try to put guilt on you and say, oh, it's because you don't love me that you don't want to go out with me, and you don't like me. And it's not good, these things. When I say no, it's no. And when I say yes, it's yes. And this is the point and the area, the place that we need to come. That when people look at us, when people see us, they know he is a person that promises and he keeps his promise. Because this is one of the characters of God in us. So imagine if somebody says, okay, I bless you. And then he wakes up the next morning and of course he's not guilty. So God, of course, does not sleep. And so he picks up and he hasn't slept and he says, you know what, um, now that I've had this morning, I think I'm not going to bless you. I have no time. God is not like this. When he cuts forth a covenant with us, all the promises, all the promises found in his word, 
They are for us. Have you, have you, you have signed an agreement, a contract, and some of you don't even know what's written in this contract. And some of you know better than others what's written in the contract. You need to know what's written in this contract. That is the word of God. But all the promises are for us because he is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is not a man that he would be made a fool of. He is God and we are not. <laughs> How wonderful it is, huh? He's God and I'm not. Even in the last New Age Festival, somebody came up and said to them, Oh, I am God. And we look at this man and we say, Oh, man, if he is God, we're in trouble. That I would give my life to a person like this? Oy. The children of Israel said, We will do and we will hear. And they were part of the strong generation that God took out of the land of Egypt. They were the ones that saw the Egyptians drowning in the sea. They were the ones that saw water come forth from the rock. And in falling into the hands and the arms of a God like this, I can't even describe it completely. I know that he cares for me. And he loves me. And he loves you. Do you know that God loves you? He loves you. The covenant that he cut with Abraham. You know, when God cut the covenant with Abraham, he he spoke to Abraham and in who can God cut a covenant with who can he swear by is there anybody bigger than him it says that he cut a covenant and he swore by himself unto himself because there is nobody bigger than him he got, God promised a promise to himself I will bless you Abraham and your descendants after you in 1948 when the state of Israel came forth this was a covenant of God he did not forget his people. He did not forsake his people. And I believe with all of my heart that his people, we will, in due time, very quickly, we will be able to repay the vow that we have vowed unto him. And the moment that we say all of Israel will be saved, God will work all over the world. Nations will come and know the Lord God of Israel. They will know their Messiah. And my prayer for each one of us this morning today, let's think very carefully about oaths and vows and pledges that we have done over our lives. Let's take just a few moments now to think about these times, promises that you made, vows that you vowed to keep, oaths and pledges. Have you fulfilled them? Father God in heaven, we are so thankful that you are God who keeps covenant. I thank you for each person here this morning. Father, no one's here by chance. We know that your hand, your good hand, has brought them here this morning. I thank you that in the covenant that you called for your people, to the Jewish people, to the Gentiles, each one of us, we are all part of this covenant. Father God, I pray that you would help each one of us to fulfill the promises that we have promised. The moment that we have followed after you and walked after you to love you with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our mind father give us the grace that in the way that we walk we will be able to walk forth in the covenant that you've called us to father I pray for each married couple that's here this morning father remind them of their vows and their pledges one to another to love each other to honor one another 
Father in heaven. Amen. Let's continue to think about the vows, the promises. I felt this morning that there may be some of you here that need to renew some vows and some pledges that you have made. And I believe that even more so God wants to remind us of the vows and the pledges. Let's stand together, please.